Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Tonight we give you thanks for being able to hear your voice, to be able to walk in your ways and to experience the life that's in Christ. We pray that your spirit would fall afresh in our lives, in our hearts, in this place tonight. And that it would be a witness to us, Lord, that you're calling us passionately and you yearn for us to find your pleasure, the place of your purpose, that we might be a witness and a light to the world, O oh God, that we not leave our children astray, our grandchildren, without the anchor of the soul, which is Christ. We pray that tonight we might press into this having a heart for God, which equals being able to hear the voice of God for our lives and prosper this word in our lives and in our hearts. And tonight, the many people that hear this message and watch online, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We were talking about Ezekiel 36, 26 with our open heart surgery on Sunday. We were talking about a world-changing heart. We're talking about the expressions of those that are not requiring a pacemaker for their vital organ here, but that they have in their spirit the capacity to, to tune in to the voice of God for their lives. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, a new heart also I will give you. I'm gonna put something within you according to a new spirit and I'll take off a heart of stone. A heart of flesh I will give you in exchange. And so when we're talking about this, it's no longer just words but it's us having the capacity to hear from the Lord in, the, in regards to, I have a verse here, Jeremiah chapter um, 33, verse 3. God's heart is that we call out to him so he will answer and show us great and mighty things which we're not perceiving. This life is nothing short of being totally in awe by what God is showing you. If you're looking in another direction, that you're overwhelmed by fears and by discontent, you're not connected to God and you're not walking in the immensity of his purpose. It was uh, George Caracol this morning, one of the men at the church that was online with, with Wellington Boone at his five o'clock call. And Wellington says, you're never going to see what God has for you until you're totally sold out for him. You need to make room for God's greatness and might. And this means calling out for that. Ezekiel, I mean, Zechariah 7, 11. There are so many people walking in this, in this mindset that is all too familiar. Because what, what a man or a woman who hears the voice of God, just that very fact that they have heard from God distinguishes them from all other humans upon the earth. We read Zechariah 7, verse 11. But they refused to hear and shrugged their shoulders 
and stopped their ears so that they could not hear. The attitude of, I don't want to hear from God because when I hear from God, it makes me move in his direction. So I'd rather go, like we used to as a little kid, right? I don't want to hear because what he's going to tell me is too intense. And so you're going to see where the connection of hearing and refusing to hear is so that they could not hear. Uh, Where is it connected? Verse 12, we see the connection. Here's the line. They made their hearts like flint, refusing to hear. Their heart has gotten hardened. So there is no tug on their heart. There's no sensitivity. Their heart has become calloused. Um, I just want to tell you that here where it says they make their heart like flint... Flint is a stone, the hardest of stones. Some rocks you can beat and they shatter and they break, not flint. Flint is you you take whatever you want to try and move that person and it refuses to hear the words of God, the words of the Lord, of hosts, who he has sent by his spirit through the former messengers. So the consequence, the wrath of God revealed. So when we're talking on Sunday about having a world-changing heart, I'm just going to equate that to being able to hear God's world-changing voice. And we were talking to the men on Monday night that this vision of changing the world can only be the product of hearing God's heartbeat. Because In my family tree, there is no one who cares about the neighbors down the street. In other words, um, I never heard of my family in Cuba going to Santiago on a missionary trip or Oriente or Ecuador for that matter or for the nearby neighbors. There there is something wrong when, when in your family there is no history of caring about the Chinese and the Koreans. And so it's in God. We begin to hear, I need to go to Hikililio. I need to go to a place where I would never go if it wasn't for the heart of God. Loving what God loves, hating what God hates. So a world-changing vision means that God wants us to take on the responsibility of the world's affairs. And so we've been doing that for some while, and we ask God for more grace to continue. In verse 13 of Zechariah 7, which is the last verse, the Lord was angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen. If you're not drawing near to God, you're drawing away from God. If you're not hearing Him clearly, you're hearing Him faintly. And so we need to begin to say, God, let this heart of mine not only be constantly sharing my fears and my concerns and my needs, but I need to call a time out here because you've already done things that far surpass what what I could even think and dream. And and this was my testimony. I share it all over the world. When I became a Christian, I said, God, um, I need you to do a lot of things. And if you don't do a lot of things, well, I I don't think I'm going to follow you. So I began a 15-year, listen to me, 15-year journey asking God for a million things. 
Lord, I'm dumb as a doornail. I need wisdom, so you help me with school. Lord, I need you to help me with a car. Lord, I need you to help me, uh, you know, pass the Florida bar. Lord, I need a, a law office. Lord, I need clients. Lord, I need a desk. Lord, I need a copy machine. Lord, I need a wife. Lord, I would love to have children. Lord, these children need a house. We need furniture. Lord, I, I, I would like horses and a ranch and a boat. And Lord, and, Lord, and I spent 15 years asking God, me, me, and then some more me. And I, I got to the point where God blessed me and prospered me and answered all my prayers. And I felt really dumb. And I felt really embarrassed in my selfishness because I had never asked God, what do you want? What do you want, Lord? And, and almost embarrassed to even tell him that. Lord, my health. Lord, my finances. Lord, I would like it to be white. I would like it to be gold. I would like it to be silver. I would like it to be like this. If it could be oceanfront, even better. Ocean view. If it could be a vacation. If it could be, and, and you describe to a T all that you desire before his throne of gaze. And then one day, embarrassingly, I asked the Lord, what do you want? Now that I'm, I, I don't want to ask you for anything because you've already done more than I could ever dream. What do you want, Lord? And then to hear those words, let's change the world. And there was, there was no, no discouragement. There was no fear. Because I, have, I, I had a, a personal encounter with an omnipotent God. A large God. A God who bows down and hears my sighs. Who counts my tears. Who, who knows me personally. And so he's shown me that, and then he says, let's, let's change the world. Because you obviously know that God and one are the majority. You don't need more than God to fulfill his pleasure. And so when you're teaming up with God, you get ready because you're always going to be victorious. Because he always leads us to triumph. And so I was telling the men on Monday night that, that this thought here, changing the world, is not my invention. It's the burden of God's heart cry to the nations. And so you see that in Psalm 2 verse 8 where he says, Ask me according to the caliber of my might. Talk to me. And he says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations. As an inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. And I say that wherever I go. I never planned to ever leave Miami. My, I was being swallowed up by Miami. Until God became my savior. And now the world is swallowed up in his love. The world is too small for what I've seen God do. His visitations all over the earth. Personal. Precise. And involving those who have a heart for God that are not having their heart as, as hard as Flintstone. He would not listen. 
When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen. So one of the, one of the, one of the initial prayers that anyone who is going to move in God's direction is found in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. And you say, Lord, just like you have given me all things, just like you have blessed me in every side, give your servant an understanding heart. Give me one of those hearts that are plugged up to the will of God, to the voice of God, to be able to hear God and move like God wants me to move. Listen, no, no one told me to honor my parents. Like when God told me to honor my parents as soon as I got saved and I began to line my heart up to honor them, to obey them. You would have had to put me in a boot camp, military style, in a, a strong training place. But when you have a, a new heart and God speaks to that new heart, you don't, you don't need anything. You don't need the, 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 the prison doors. You don't need the whips and the chains. You move in the sensitivity of having a heart of understanding. And he says, give your servant an understanding heart to be able to lead your people. That I might discern between right and wrong, good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people? How could I ever lead these people of yours? Unless you give me a heart in that direction. You know, to impose upon a person's will, you will first die before that person moves in the direction of wisdom. We've tried that a million times. But the hearing of God's voice, the sensitivity of the Spirit of God makes us move in that direction. So we, we do a lot of things when we come to God. We do a lot of things in, by way of exercise and we, we come up and my office is filled with suggestions of what we ought to do. This Sunday, um, a gentleman came into my office and says, no, we need to buy a building. I said, listen to me. God is able. And when the building comes, it's going to come with all of its glory, but I don't want to move ahead of God. I don't want to fall behind God. I, I, I think the devil can bless us with a huge church building to, to kill our focus and our reality. And we get overwhelmed with a whole bunch of things in our own human strength. And so we're prone to that. We're prone to moving on our own. God's taking too long. Let me go ahead and, and, and you know something? I I'm not going to do that. 1 Kings, uh, no, we're going to 1 Samuel 15, 22. Saul is moving in the direction of offering his own sacrifices, moving. There's something about coming to become a Christian and then saying, okay, since now I'm in Christ, I'm not a drunkard no more, I'm not an alcoholic no more. I'm not smoking anymore. I don't hang out with my worldly friends. But let's just, let's just do the Christian thing. And, and you, we cannot do that. We need to listen to God. We can't just, you know, and there's, there's a ton of churches. They've picked up their own script about what they're going to do in Christianity. And they don't hear the voice of God. 
There's a, such a thing as backsliding when you're not listening to God at all. And then there's front sliding. You're running ahead of God's game plan. So I don't want to backslide. For years, I haven't wanted to. And my temptation is to front slide. That means to run ahead of God's plans. So my heart needs to be constantly checked to see what God is saying. And that is the lifeline of blessing and peace and prosperity. But this man ran ahead of God. And so the prophet, God tells him through the prophet Samuel, does the Lord delight in everything you're doing? Or would he rather you obey his voice? You're doing a lot of Christian things and it looks pretty good and impressive on the outside. But God is concerned about your picking up and understanding his heart. To obey is better than sacrifice. To respond, have a responsive heart. As we already said, if you have a heart of stone, you're not hearing God. To have a heart according to God's heart is to hear the Lord. And then my niece, Corin, came up to me and, and she corrected me before the sermon. I was sharing a little bit of what God was laying upon my heart. And she says, Theo, it's not only that you hear God's voice, but you do what he says. Because we all hear God's voice. And even having a heart that hears God's voice is not enough. We need to do what God is asking us to do. Because a lot of times we're drowning out his voice and we've become hearers but not doers. And so to all who God comes near, he has said these words in Revelation 3.22. And you'll hear this all throughout the Bible. Let him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the churches, what he's instructing his people. And so here it is again. We're not talking about this ear, which all of us have. We're talking about the ears of our understanding. Are you trying to pick up on what God is trying to say? I, I don't hear God. You, you hear God. You hear the strong impressions of his spirit in your life. In fact, in the last couple of days, we've seen people where God has clearly spoken to their lives and their response to words that aren't being spoken, no words spoken, and this is their, this is their position. And what it leads me to believe is they're saying, the impressions of the Spirit of God, I'm not moving in that direction, I'm not hearing and so he says, let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. Jeremiah 6.10 says, who then can I speak so that I might give a warning? How will God prompt you to not fall in harm's way? Jeremiah 6.10, to whom can I speak and give a warning? Who will God be able to lead if it's a matter of the heart, if it's a matter of the impressions on the heart? if it's a matter of walking in the direction of those impressions, that they might hear. Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised. Uncircumcision talks about no sensitivity. You know, you, you need to get a sledgehammer to get this guy to pay attention. You need to have an earthquake. You need to have the building fall. And he still doesn't capture the heart of God. And they cannot give heed. They're not listening. Behold, the word of the Lord is unpleasurable to them. They have no delight in receiving it. 
And this, this is like when something's coming to your house and someone knocks on the door and you're like, nobody's home, go away. I have no pleasure. He says these people have no pleasure. They consider it, they consider it unpleasurable that God might speak to them. They don't delight in it. I've had several times in my life where I've been going through some very incredible hardships. And the Bible says that God speaks early in the morning. So I go to bed real quick and I get up real early. Because I, I want that voice to come. I want that word to come. I can't wait. Because when the word of God comes, there is a way out of situations. There is an answer to the travesty in our lives. And so... He says there, they find no pleasure. They close their ears. The Lord is offensive to them. And so the Lord is an all-out gentleman where he says these words in Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. I'm not going to knock the door down. I'm not going to be offensive to somebody who's offended by my word. I'll stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I'll come in and we'll sup together and he will be with me. And God has been wanting to talk to every single one of us daily and we're drowning him out. We're drowning him out, not being able to see. So John 12 verse 40, he says, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. Lest they should see with their eyes and lest they should understand with their hearts. And turn so that I could heal them. So I could be an answer to what is taking place. In John chapter 8 verse 43. God is trying to reach out to them so they might hear and speak to them so they might understand and he says, why don't you understand my voice? Why aren't you able to listen to my word? The listening of the heart, the listening of his word, one and the same. Matthew 13, 15, another passage. Speaking of the reluctance to hear. For the hearts of this people have grown dual. The ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes have closed, lest they should see. Their ears, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them, so that I should bring provision. Um, it seems to be in dire straits we can hear clearly. Somebody said that God whispers in our pleasure and he screams at us in our pain. God has to... Really bring a, a sledgehammer into our lives so that we begin to listen to him. Hebrews 3 verse 7. He says, today, if the Holy Spirit is saying, today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you will hear his voice, verse 8, do not harden your heart in rebellion. Like the people did in the wilderness. Previous generations, and, and I, I want to tell you, in my, I, I, can't, I can't judge anybody else's family line, but I, I can certainly trace mine and know that God had been speaking to the Molina family for quite some time. 
And they decided not to listen. Apparently, they had better ideas. But the truth of the matter is that I, I always share this testimony because it's, it's very... I was distraught seeing that my father had missed out on God till he was 49. And he's 70-something now, but um, 49 years without God is a long time. Too long. And so I said, God, you missed my dad. And so that's why we had a horrible childhood. And then all of a sudden, my dad invites me to have lunch with one of his friends. And this was about 10 years ago. And he, I was working at the law practice. And he says, let's go have lunch with my friend that just got here from Cuba. And so we went to have lunch. And the man brought a yearbook. And in that yearbook was my dad's picture when he was 17. And right next to his picture, it says, there's no one like Molina. And it said a couple other things about having issues with cheating on his exams. He's the best cheater in the class. He's always chasing the young girls. He's a romancer. And no one makes more fun at preachers than he. And so I, I had a picture of my dad at 17 in front of his friends making fun of those people that were preaching the gospel. It wasn't, evangel it wasn't Jehovah Witnesses. It was evangelical preachers. And he was 17 when God was trying to reach out to him so that he could marry into the purpose of God and have the children know the Lord. And so we didn't know the Lord for 18 years, 16 years. And so all that time that God was crying out to our family, there wasn't a heart to listen. There wasn't a heart to understand. There wasn't a heart to draw close, to understand the purpose of God. I'm reminded of of Proverbs chapter 1, where it says that God calls us from early on. And he says, how many times did I reach out my hand because I had a plan and a purpose and you would not grab onto my hand? It's Proverbs 1, and we could start on verse, um, verse 24. Because I've called you and you refused. I stretched out my hand and nobody grabbed a hold of it. How many, has, have you, how many times have you seen God go like this? I mean, just constantly, day and night, just reaching out, reaching out. And we're like, mm, should I stay or should I go now? Right? We're like, everybody knows the story about the canoe, the helicopter, the, the boat, the rooftop. Guy dies, gets to heaven, says, why didn't you save me? You're a knucklehead. I sent you so much help so many times, and you never paid attention. And so there it was until my dad wrecked and ruined and brought everything to a horrible spiritual massacre and ruin. When he was about to die and perish, and we were about to die and perish with him, he said he brought out the little, I like to bring the little, the white flag, and he surrendered to the Lord. Thank God for him having given his heart and listened to God even at the late hour. That's made a big difference. And we've been trained up in being able to listen to the voice of God and hear, have a heart for God and move in God's direction. And, and this is the direction of faith. 
This is not something that, 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 that God's not going to send you a fax. God's not going to send you an email. You know, Romans, and let's see if we can get it, 1017. He says that you'll be able to walk out my purpose for your life when you hear faith. A lot of people says, man, I wish I had faith. I just don't have faith. Well, you need to hear. And now we know that the hearing is here. And hearing what? Hearing the word of God. Practice the principles. Listen to what God wants. You don't have to be a knucklehead. You don't have to be an imbecile and a fool. You don't have to suffer. Because God is not into your destruction and ruin. He wants you to hear his voice and not harden your heart. As your fathers did the generation previous. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 9. Where your fathers went against me even though I was trying to reach out to them. Even though I was calling upon them. For 40 years they ignored me. Verse 10, therefore I was angry with that generation. And said they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. This is all a heart issue. So I swore they, in my wrath they would not enter my rest. And then here comes the warning. Verse 12. Beware. Warning, brethren. Make sure there's not a heart in any of you that is evil that causes you to walk in unbelief and separate you from the living God. I've, I've had people all the time say, if only God would show up and show me, if only I could see God, then listen to me. If you're not going to have an a obedient heart now, forget about God showing up. Ask God for an obedient heart when you don't see him. Ask him for a, a, a righteous heart of belief that you never depart from God. And so these are the issues we're contending with. Why is he warning us not to harden our heart and to cause it to walk in unbelief, departing from him? Verse 13, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you harden through the deceitfulness of sin. The sin begins to deceive us into growing deaf. Verse 15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the time of rebellion. Chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 10, called by God as a high priest, Jesus, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, and it's difficult to explain, because many of you, verse 11, we want to explain these things, but many of you have become dual of hearing. You don't have that heart awakened to the things of God. What's that mean, pastor? Verse 12, you've been in the Lord for over 10 years and you still, instead of being able to teach these things, you continue like a little kid. For though by now you ought to be teachers, you need someone to remind you of the first teachings of the principles of God. You have become one who needs milk and not solid food. Right now, and, and this, is, this is why when we travel, we like to speak to pastors I have a lot to say, and, and I, I feel really bad. You guys saw what happened on, on Sunday here. How many saw what happened? 
and grab old ladies and young people and, and said, get out of here. Well, that was a message for people that have been in the Lord for 10, 15 years, not for people that got here like you guys a couple weeks ago. You guys were here on Sunday? Yeah. Did you get scared? <laughs> <laughs> they come for the first time. They see the pastor kicking people out. And George Caracol said, I thought they're supposed to keep us here. Well, we, some of us here should be on this side of the pulpit and living this stuff and being a witness to the new people that are coming. And we constantly have to apologize to new people for people that have been here for 10 years and they ask, well, I didn't even know they were part of the church because I've been here six months, a year, and I, I, didn't, I don't see them. I don't see them. And so God is saying, you know something? That's, that's a dual heart. Because some of you ought to be teachers now. You're, you're like little babe. And verse 13 says, everyone who only partakes of milk is unskilled in walking out this righteousness for he's acting like a baby. I don't want to hear God's voice. I want to hear na 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 na. Go to sleep, my little baby. I don't want to hear take out the trash, clean the car, pick up your room. I don't want to wash the dishes. I, I I thought the dishes get done magically. They're magically delicious. No. Maturity. Manifested in hearing God. And so the, the fear is that you want somebody to hear God for you. And I have people come in my office all the time and say, Pastor, what, what do you say about, listen, knucklehead, I'm concerned about what God says. Well, I haven't heard him. You're not asking you're not asking God, because God speaks clearly, and in God, there's no deception. I have the, you know, we had it at the men's, uh, the marriage conference. Who's supposed to manage the money? Hey, pastor, how much money should I give the church? I dare you to ask God. I know what he's told me. I've been hearing him for a long time. For a long time. So these babies just want milk. And, and some of them, in early life, you, you deal a lot with the tenderness of a mother. And so you run to mommy all the time. Mommy, mommy. Hey, run to dad. Get yourself a spanking. Get yourself a spiritual spanking so you could grow up. And then maybe you get the family car, and maybe you get part of the family business, and maybe you are entrusted to an inheritance. And maybe you don't forfeit what God has laid up for you. Because God requires you to hear his voice. Verse 14, solid food belongs to those who are mature of age. Those who have exercised the ability to hear the voice of God, good and bad, what God is speaking into your life, what he's not. 
2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, the word of God is a good indicator that you're hearing a word of God. Um, this is said by Wellington Boone, our, our mentor and teacher and the man of God who we respect and honor. And he says, so many people run to church and they say, I heard God. He told me to divorce my wife and to marry my lover. Many, many people. I heard God. He told me to stay home on Sunday to rest because I work too hard. I heard God. I don't have to tithe no more. I don't have to give to the church anymore. It just, it's not, it's not biblical. It's not New Testamentary. And the truth of the matter is that Wellington Boone says, until you know and obey this word, God is never going to speak to you this way. If you're not faithful with this word, to live it and obey it, God cannot entrust you to hear this voice. That's a fake. That's a fraud. This is the scripture that is given by God and is profitable to teach and to correct and to reproof in all instruction for righteousness. So years ago, we had a man run in the church and says, I have a revelation, a deep, secret mystery of the end times. And I said, sir, is that in the Bible? And he says, yes. I go, thank you very much. We've already read it. <laughs> and if it's not in the Bible, I don't want to hear it. And by the way, where is your wife? She left them five years ago. And how about your children? He's an atheist. Sir, whatever you have exported, I mean imported that is no good for your family, we wish you not export to our church. We don't need to hear something we cannot see as a fruit of righteousness inspired by the voice and the word of God. So God will speak to our hearts through the word of God. We should be in this word. Listen to me, ready? Day and night. Day and night. A lot of people says, man, pastor could preach. Listen, I haven't said anything that's not in the word of God. I have no new revelation. I have no latest and greatest news. It's all in the word of God. I love the word of God. I'm in the word of God all day. And so in this regards, um, it's important that we, we meditate upon this word. We know this word. We read this word. We look into this word. Some woman came up last week. She says, Pastor, that was the greatest preaching you've ever given. I'm like, that was the preaching I gave last year at the same time about the same topic. Because the heavens and the earth will pass. But the word of God is forever faithful. It doesn't, it doesn't renew itself. It doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you're eating, drinking, meditating, moving into the word of God is your salvation. And that's what, incidentally, there is what Paul tells Timothy. He says, look, in the last days, there's going to be some really funky, twisted men around, and they're going to be saying some really neat stuff, 
and they will be imposters, but he doesn't talk about Paul. He doesn't talk about Titus. He doesn't talk about Barnabas. He says, you know very well what you ought to do in the last days when things get super twisted because I've taught you well. And he says like this. Verse 10, 2 Timothy 3.10. But you carefully follow the doctrine and the manner of life and purpose with patience that I have lived and I have showed you. And verse uh, 13, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you continue in the things you have learned and have been assured, knowing them from whom you learned them, verse 15, that from your childhood you have known the holy scriptures, the word of God that's able to make you wise for salvation. He, he connects them to the word of God. Verse 16, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And a lot of us want us, hey, pastor, could you, could you spend the weekend praying about my decision? I'm like, listen, I love to pray, and I wish you would make a righteous decision. I had a, a woman come into my office on Monday, and she says, will you pray about this? I said, no, because the word of God says the answer already. I don't need to pray about what the word of God says not to do. How many say Amen. Word of God says, don't get married with an unbeliever. You don't got to pray about that. The Word of God says, don't cheat, don't lie, don't steal. You don't got to pray about that. You got to do what the Word of God says. So I refuse to use my praying time for things the Bible says we're not supposed to do. And then when you do them anyways, don't come back and say, Pastor, could you pray for me? Because I did what the Bible said not to do. And now I'm lost and I'm confused and I don't know what to do. I said, I'm not going to pray either. You need to repent and start obeying God. Don't use my prayer time for your disobedience, for your rebellion, for your foolishness. It's super important that we grow up. Na, na, na. Spirit of God is zealous for us, jealous. He wants to tell us what, what God wants us to hear. John 16, verse 13. But he, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he wants to guide you to all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, his own agenda. Whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. The word of God, the spirit of God. Those, those are two powerful contexts to be able to know what you ought to do. And how you ought to walk. The word of God, the spirit of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not grieve the spirit of God. Do not sadden. Do not quench its fire. The spirit of God is saying, no! And you're like, put out that fire. It's speaking too strong. Don't quench the spirit of God. Do not put that fire out. Let that fire blaze. Let it burn all your unbelief and your rebellion. Let it perfect you. God speaks to us through the word of God, through the spirit of God, through the counsel of those that are around us. A lot of people don't want counsel because there's wisdom in the multitude of counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no advice, people fail. Where there is no counsel, there is no safety. 
Proverbs eleven fourteen. I love advice. I love counsel. I love the wisdom of being able to gather with people that are full of the word of God, full of the spirit of God, the principles of God's word. Love that. It's almost like I, I don't even have to make a mistake because God is already running ahead of me, speaking to me. Matthew 18, 16, by the mouth of two or three, let two or three godly, wise people advise you in a matter. Anything you keep in a secret, you're going you're gonna to perish in your, your device, in your schemes. Pull everything out to the light. Let the mouth of two or three witnesses establish everything you think and everything you dream. Pastor, I had a dream last night. Woo! I run when I hear that. Run to the word of God to judge these matters. Matthew 1, 11, Jesus heard the voice from the heaven saying, you are my son in whom I love and I am well pleased. I'm convinced of this thing, that when we're not hearing God and his wonderful plans, listen, I would have never been able to wait for a godly wife and have a godly family or leave my law practice or start a church. All these things were the product of hearing the voice of God. This is not, you know, throwing the dice and... and Rock, scissors, paper, and living life on the, on, on the land. No. There's specific times and seasons that, that God has spoken. And we have moved in that understanding. It says that there they heard the voice of God. Mark chapter 1 verse 11. I said Matthew. It's Mark 1 11. From the heavens they heard a voice that came saying, You are my beloved son. When God is speaking to you, you stand up against all odds. Corey, come here. I promised my niece I would call her up tonight. Because they have to be a reference to this generation. They have to. They've heard God's voice. They've heard. They know. And they're moving in the direction of that voice. And so today she was at, it was today, right? Yes. She's at college now. She's in her freshman year. And they go around. I, I, don't, I didn't ask you these things, but... One word that describes you. Give me some examples of what people said. Um, let's see, they said Speaking of here. Okay, um, they said musician. Oh. Guys, going to help me out here? Go ahead. Um, they said musician. They said daughter. They said female. They said student. They said football player, baseball player. All those are good stuff, but th th that, none of that stuff comes from heaven. So now it's your turn. I said world changer. <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean world changer? You puny little girl. What are you talking about? World changer. I'm hearing God. And I'll show you how to change the world. And, and, and follow me. And I'll be a leader in my generation. Because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing other voices. And this is what started Christ's ministry. Thank you, sweetie. I told you I'd call you up. Um. This is Christ starting out his ministry, listening to, you are my son, and I love you, and I'm pleased by you. And that'll make you stand up against all odds in this generation. And you're hearing another voice, knowing who you are, knowing whose you belong to. And, and, and I love this song we used to sing. It says, I'm a, 
I'm, I'm marching to the beat of another drum. Everybody's out there dancing and strutting their things, but they're not, they're not moved by the heavens. They're not moved by their identity of being God's child, and Jesus was. And, and listen, on that day, there were people that were standing around Jesus in John 12, verse 28. This is the same day that this voice is coming down from heaven. And so, uh, no, I'm sorry, this is not the same day, but this is, a, this is at, the, at the latter end of Christ's life. He says, Father, glorify your name. Lord, make your name on the earth as big as it'll go. And a voice came from heaven saying, I will. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I've made my name big in the past. I'm going to make my name big in the future. Well, people that were standing right there didn't hear a single thing. And just like tonight, there's some people here tonight aren't hearing a single thing. Because I hear the pastor up there going, wah, 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 wah. But verse 29, it says, those who were present, the people who stood by and heard it, said that it had thundered. Others said it was an angel that was speaking to him. I don't know what was going on there at church tonight, man, but it was loud. I couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> you're not hearing God's voice. You're not, you're not, you don't have a heart to understand. 2 Peter 1.16, those that surrounded Christ in his lifetime says, a lot of people didn't hear that voice, but we did. For we did not follow fairy tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Verse 17. We saw these things. He received, for he received from, heaven, uh, from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen. I went to visit a lawyer friend of mine today, and we practiced law for a long time, and I've been out of my law practice for 12 years. And he says, I've heard the calling of God on your life. He hasn't heard the calling of God on his life. But he's seen, and he's, he's, he's perceived the reality. He calls it, he's, he's not a Christian, he says, the revelation you received, I see it. I'm like, how about the one you're supposed to receive, brother? You're a lot older than me. God has spoken to you earlier than he's spoken to me. Why aren't you moving in that direction? Why aren't you a world changer? And then he began to tell me about what he's doing in life and his plans. And the devil's making all sorts of spaghetti-o in the end time of his life. He's not connected to the God who made him. To the God who gave his son to die for him. He's totally ignorant and separate and estranged and far. It's going to be a scary thing. And here Peter writes, we saw this stuff and we heard that when it, this thing was being poured out from the heavens, we heard that voice that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So, I, I just pray that in the coming days, your heart turns towards heaven, John 10, 27. And Jesus confirmed it like this. You, my sheep, 
will hear my voice. I am close to them and they follow me. They're moving at the drumbeat of God's heart and voice. I refuse to be playing games with older people in the Lord. I'll I'll invest my time in the young ones that are still starting out and beginning to hear his voice. Isaiah 30, 21, he says, not only will you hear my voice and follow me, but your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or whenever you turn to the left, there's going to be something speaking to you for you to walk in his rhythm, in his purpose, in his goodness. Romans eleven seven. Why then is there so many people not connected? Why is there so many people not walking in this manner if it's so attainable? What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the, those chosen have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Verse 8, their sight was taken from them. And it says, just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor. You guys have heard that word before. It's modernized as stupid. It's a, you, you, you're just like, you know, you're walking this way. God says, go that way. You turn right when God says, turn left. God says, now you say later. God says, later you say now. And you're just all over the place. God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. I talked to a man two years ago, and he says, why doesn't God speak to me like he speaks to you? And I said, because you don't obey. God told you to get baptized. You haven't got baptized. God told you not to miss church. You miss church all the time. God told you to tithe. You don't tithe. God says to be obedient. You're not obedient. God says to love your wife. You don't love your wife. God says to serve as an example of your children. You keep continue to drink and to smoke. You've been a Christian for 10 years. Why won't God speak to you like he speaks to me? Because he's waiting for you to start becoming obedient, that he should continue to speak to you. Some people tell me all the time, well, I don't listen. I, they think about listening to God is weird. It's freaky. It scares me. What do you mean you hear God? I said, listen, I had horses, and my horses, when they would kick the door, and they're like, let me out of the stall. Let me out. I said, okay, he wants out of the stall. When your dog runs to the window and starts shaking his tail and barking and wants to go outside, you're like, hey, Fred wants me to take him outside. So if you can listen to a horse and to a parakeet and to a dog, you're telling me you can't listen to God? You can't feel the impressions of his desire and heart for your life? Let's stand tonight and ask God to have mercy on us, to give us not only the heart we ask for on Sunday, but that we might have a heart that's tender and hearing because he wants to show us things that are going to marvel us. They're going to be wonderful. And acquiring a taste for hearing his voice and an appetite for doing his will is the formula and, and the, the reality of seeing his glory. You, you will not see his glory if you're not obedient. And one of the things that happens when you come to the Lord at a young age, some people came to see me this week for Savior Marriage, and he says, I grew up in church with my grandmother. But when I became older, I just walked away and left. And now my life has fallen apart. How sad it is that God from early was talking to us and leading us and having mercy in our lives. And that we have hard hearts 
the, the heart grows harder. You guys know what a callus is. You start going like this on something, and after a while it grows a callus and you won't feel anything. So listen to me, it's scary if you've been a Christian for more than 10 years and you don't feel anything. Because that means your heart has grown calloused. And so ask God to have mercy on you and ask him to begin to speak to you and begin to obey in the very small things. Just a very, you know, during the day when God tells you to do stuff, turn around and do it. Walk in obedience to his whisper so that God can entrust you to further great purposes. And if you hear a voice that's telling you to kill your spouse, that's not God. Just in case. Check stuff out with your pastor, with your leaders, with the women of God that are in this house, with the elderly that have been walking with the Lord. Make that a filter to what you hear. And what Wellington Boone says is true. If you're not hearing the written word that has been given to you, don't come up with, God told me that I'm to levitate. Don't go in that route. That's, that's freaky. Let's sing to the Lord and give him thanks for his goodness tonight. Stay. 